0: Overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have you join me again today on Envision Together, going to our Next Level Best podcast. And today I have a wonderful guest for you. And we're going to have, a, am sure, a lively, wonderful chat. And my guest is Exane Anderson. With that, I just want to welcome him. I'm so glad you're here. And will you go ahead and share with my audience and myself any Biographical information you like us to know about you. Well,
1: that's a great question. You know, people ask me this question sometimes, and I I just got to tell you, the first thing I am is <laughs> um, a husband, a father. Well, I'm also a believer, but I'm I'm a husband and a father. You know, I do some things in business. I've written a couple books, and I like to speak and train in different places around the country.
0: Wonderful. Well, that's short and sweet, but it gives us a good idea of of who you are. And we're going to jump right in and get some more information from you. So while researching you, I learned that you believe that the same principles used to govern and influence others in family relationships also apply to business relationships. One idea that you shared is positive reinforcement over negative reinforcement. So tell us more and give us some of the research around that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the question. It's a great question. Positive reinforcement is basically catching people doing something right and rewarding that behavior. They found that attention in in almost all situations, especially with children, but also with adults is very reinforcing. There's a parenting book that I have. It's called The Power of Positive Parenting by Glenn Latham. This book has some research. Let me just read an excerpt that they repeat repeatedly throughout the book. It says, research has shown that the most effective way to reduce problem behavior in children is to strengthen desirable behavior through positive reinforcement, rather than trying to weaken undesirable behavior using aversive or negative processes. This is by S. W. Bijou. It's found in the International Encyclopedia of Education, 1988. And just so you know, this same principle, I can tell you, uh, I believe works in, in with children, or with families, marriages. It also works in the business world, and we can talk about that.
0: Okay. Do you know what research what type of research was done? Was it qualitative, quantitative? Was it interviewing groups of people or
1: That is a good question and I I do not know if it was qualitative or quantitative and I and I wish that I did know that.
0: Okay. All right. While you are a successful businessman and you know the value of hard work outside of the home, you also believe that parents make a real difference and they have the ultimate job I happen to agree. Why do you believe they have the ultimate job?
1: Well, let me share a little bit with you. You know, when I was young, I used to like to draw trees. I used to draw them with every branch, every leaf, every detail. When I went to school, I saw how the other children drew trees and they drew them with a little two lines and a kind of a poofy cloud on top. You've probably seen some children draw like that. Yeah. When I went to school and saw how the other children drew trees, I stopped drawing these really detailed trees with dozens of leaves and every tree and every and I started drawing the way the other children did. I found out later that my mom when she saw this, she really cried. Fast forward a little while, I had a little league game. By the way, I wasn't there's a couple ways to be to play little league. You can either hit the ball and be good at it. If you were pathetic like I was, you just held the bat out <laughs> and the ball would hit the bat and fall. Um, I had one bunt the entire season, but I'm not here to tell you how how good I was at how or how pathetic I was at little league. There was something interesting that happened after this game. You know, we went home, and my mom complained of a very severe headache, and my dad became concerned, and he said, "I I think I'm going to take mom to the hospital." Mm-hmm. And I remember giving my mom a hug, mm-hmm. telling her that I loved her, and then they drove away. Yeah. Well, I was a little concerned. I was only eight years old. My uncle happened to be visiting us at the time. And I went to my uncle and I said, is my mom going to die? And he said, no, she's not going to die. And I said, you promise she's not going to die. He said, I I promise she's not going to die. And I wanted to believe him. I went downstairs, climbed up on my bunk bed and I opened this book, started reading it to try to wait past the time for my parents to get home. And I waited and I waited and they didn't get home the next morning i i woke up i was a little anxious climbed off my bunk bed went to the to the door at my room and i if you open the door to this room you could open it to, and there was kind of a long family room outside of it and and i opened the door and i could see on, i was anxious to see my parents i looked out in the family room and i could see my dad there but something was different my mom was not there instead there was a friend and a neighbor and another friend and another neighbor It seemed like half the neighborhood was at our home oh wow And as I walked closer, I could see my dad and he had tears on his cheeks. And as I got even closer, he gathered my brothers and sisters together. And he said words that I'll never forget. He said, I think our mom is going to leave us. Mm -hmm. And I started to put two and two together. I went into a panic and I said, dad, dad, we got to do something. We got to do something. I still remember that. But what had happened is my mom had, had suffered a cerebral hemorrhage, meaning a blood vessel in her brain had burst. And she was now brain dead at the hospital, being kept alive by a life support system.
0: Oh.
1: A couple of days later, we went, went in. I could see my mom. She had tubes coming out of her nose. She had, Is
0: that kind of like an aneurysm?
1: Yes, it was an aneurysm. That's exactly what it was. It was a, a blood vessel in her brain had burst. It's known as an aneurysm. Anyway, I remember walking in, seeing my mom on this bed with with these tubes, and I was afraid. And it came time to, they they had to take my mom off of these uh, machines. There was nothing they could do. She was brain dead. And I remember when they did, she kind of crinkled up and turned bluish. Mm. And I was afraid to give her a kiss because she didn't look like my mom. So I went and just kind of faked one, kissed the air. And I walked out. My mom died that day. And as an eight-year-old boy, I watched her die. Now, here's my question for you. How do you think I draw trees now? Mm -hmm. And the answer is I draw them the way my mom would want me to. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I'm in this unique position because I only had my mom around for eight, almost nine years, a little less than nine years. But there are little comments she made little things she did, things that took five seconds that she said that still profoundly, profoundly influenced me today. They've influenced my children and I'm convinced that they'll influence generations to come. I really believe that you know we could build a business. We can do a lot of things that are great in the business world. And and my hat's off to people who are trying to do that. But the truth is, if you think about it, most of these businesses in in 10 or 20 years are going to be bought, sold, bankrupted, disrupted. They may not even exist anymore or be completely changed. But the influence that you have as a parent can go on for a long, long, long time. Forever, I think. I guess I'm kind of on a mission to help people realize that. And the same principles that make you a good parent, the same principles that help you in business, I mean, they're the same exact principles. And and we could talk about those a little bit. But that's one of the reasons I believe in, because I can see it in my own life.
0: Thank you for sharing that story. Well, that's really sad. I, too, lost a parent early in life, but I actually didn't get to know my father. He died when I was nine months old. But I know something of growing up without one of your parents there. You mentioned in a previous conversation uh, that we had that people should follow the golden rule, which is we've said is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Given that, you believe that there's common sense principles that work equally in the home and workplace. Some of those common sense principles that you've shared with me is something like honesty, humility, commitment, respect. Talk about each of these, relating them both to home and the workplace.
1: Sure. But before we talk about that, let me just back up just a little bit. I believe that principles are real, whether you believe they are or not. Let me let me give you an example. The principle of gravity, the way I'm going to define it for this conversation, where the principle of gravity is real, whether you believe it is or not. So you could say, well, I don't really believe in gravity. And you could go to the top of a cliff and say, I believe I can fly. And you could jump off and really believe it. But the truth is the principle takes over afterwards, right? I mean, you can do anything you want in life, but you don't control the consequence. The consequence is controlled by principle. So in that scenario, the principle of gravity controls your consequence. I've taught a class once around different places. And and in this class, I'll ask people, if you've come in contact with gravity, you have two choices. You can align with it or ignore it. Mm -hmm. And I say, how could you align with gravity? to make you money for just as an example. And I have people say, well, you could build a hydroelectric dam or, or you could build roller coasters you could start, you could build a ski resort, mm-hmm. a zip line or skydiving. Mm-hmm. See people go skiing. They they go to go down the hill and have a great experience, but if you ignore gravity, so if you align with gravity, you could get rich with your ski resort, your hydroelectric dam, or you could ignore it to your peril and you could fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Gravity itself doesn't change. Gravity is just there. The only thing that changes is did you align with it and respect it or did you ignore it to your peril? Well, one time years and years ago, I was this sales guy for this company and my job was to answer the phone and answer these calls. People would call in and try to ask about whether they should buy certain things. Well, one guy called me and he said, I'm thinking about buying this one particular thing. And then he asked me an interesting question. He said, would you buy it from you? now?" Here's the thing, I was a commissioned salesperson. And I didn't make wouldn't make any money if I didn't sell. But the honest truth was on this one particular product he asked me about, I wouldn't buy it from us because I knew you could get it cheaper on Amazon. Same thing on Amazon. (laughs) And so when he asked me this, he said this. Now I had a choice at that point. I could either align with it, like you can align with gravity and build a ski resort, or I could ignore it and figuratively fall off a cliff. Well, Luckily, I did just tell him the truth. I said, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Don't buy from us. Just go on Amazon and get it Get it cheaper there. And it was really interesting because he did not buy that thing from me. But by the end of the phone call, he ended up making a massive, and I mean massive, massive order of something else. And I feel like the reason he could do it is because he trusted me that I was a straight shooter, that I wasn't just going to say, this is it. Now, let me give you an example. If you were at a restaurant and you came in and you said, to the waitress, what's good on the menu? And the waitress or waiter said, everything's perfect. Would you trust them? (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you probably trust the waiter or waitress who said, you know what? The the soups aren't that good, but the steak's pretty good. And so I think that's kind of the same principle there. But the same thing with our children. If people are uh, ignoring honesty, for example, you could ignore honesty. But people get it and they they sense the duplicity and and there's there's no way you can build trust. And people who are being dishonest, they're not getting away with it as much as they think they are. You can align with it and have trusting relationships. I mean, if you can tell the truth, even when it hurts you a little bit,
0: yeah,
1: people trust you. And if you don't tell the truth and that works in business and it works with your spouse and it works with your children and it works in business everywhere, so that, that being honest. Let me tell you a little about humility. You know, I've I've been uh, able to present ideas across the country and I'll tell you one example. You know, I had a problem with my bank account once and I'll tell you the problem was, is that I didn't put money in the account when I should have put it in the account. Okay, (laughs) And I was in the red. Okay. I went down to this bank and I said, I need to get this problem fixed with my account. And there was a gentleman, Jeff there who said, he helped me and I put the money in like I should have put it in before. And he, he was nice. He waived a bunch of these overdraft fees that had accrued. And when he was done, I looked at Jeff and I said, Hey Jeff, can I get the email to your boss? And he looked at me kind of funny, like, well, why do you want the email to my boss? And I said, I'm going to tell him how appreciative I am of your help. And they were very professional, helpful. And by the way he reacted, I could tell he wasn't used to this positive reinforcement kind of thing we were talking about. But I went home that night and I wrote a quick email and I said, Dear Mr. Branch Manager, I had the opportunity of working with Jeff. He was very professional and helpful. I think he deserves a raise and a promotion. <laughs> and I sent it to the to his boss, but I also copied Jeff on it. Well, here's the thing: I went back to this bank maybe a week later, and I'm standing in line. This is back in the days when he had to go to the bank. There was probably more you don't have to go as much as you do now. You still have to go. But you know, there's maybe 10 people in line with me. Something happened that had never happened to me before. Somebody came up to me and said, Mr. Anderson. Somehow they knew my name. By the way, it wasn't Jeff and it wasn't the branch manager. They said, can I help you with your banking? And I said, well, sure. And they said, follow me. They took me from the back of the line. They let me do my banking in front of everybody else. You would have thought I had $10 million at the bank, which we all know that I didn't. right? Anyway, here's the interesting thing. That same principle has been like sincerely complimenting someone, has got me in front of high-level directors in New York, I'm not talking about complimenting someone when they don't deserve it. I mean, I can tell you, tell you stories about it, but it's gotten me appointments with in business where I've been able to talk to people and present my ideas and, and, and have great success because I'm just trying to catch people doing something right. But the interesting thing is when you're humble enough to treat everybody right, things yeah. work out. Some people say, well, I'm going to treat the CEO well, and I'm going to treat the senator well, and I'm going to treat somebody else well. But if they're just a lowly janitor or a low-level employee or a secretary, I'm not going to treat them well. It's funny because I can tell you, just treating everybody well is what opens the doors to to go places. It, it, it wasn't the CEO of the bank that got me treated like a king. I would come back to this bank, by the way, again and again and again, and they would treat me like a king, even though I didn't have much money at that bank at the time. And and I could tell you stories about this, but that's about humility, treating everyone with respect. So these are great questions. Commitment, you know, do what you say you're going to do. Right. When you, when you keep your commitment to yourself, you build trust with yourself, and then you can make commitments to others. And they can trust you. And that trust, gosh, you can do so much if you just trust people.
0: I like what you said there about trusting yourself. Can you even trust yourself to come through? I don't think we emphasize that enough. We talk a lot about whether or not we can trust others or whether or not others can trust us. But man, can you even trust yourself? And being able to answer that question with a yes tells a big story or having to answer that question with a no tells a big story and can even point to some areas of why you're maybe not having a level of success that you might want to have. You can't even trust yourself to show up. So what do you think other people are going to
1: think? That's exactly right. And you know, I was reading this book by Stephen Coven. He says, if you're not keeping your commitments to yourself, you're, it's going to be impossible for you to keep commitments to other people. But the way to do that is to make little tiny commitments to yourself to start and keep them. So if you say you're going to get up at 6 a.m. and you're tired when the alarm clock goes off, you got to have mind over mattress and get up anyway, right? And keep that commitment to yourself. You say you're <laughs> like going to exercise. Mind over mattress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think you're going to exercise? You got to get off the couch and go exercise, even if you're kind of not in the mood. And when you start keeping these little commitments to yourself, you start to feel the sense of integrity that like, oh, yeah, when I commit to myself, I can do it. I'll do it. You start to be someone who keeps the commitments because you're keeping them to yourself. And then that flows into other relationships as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay. Very good. I think with respect, we pretty much get that mutual respect and earn respect. It's not just given. I think all these things are, are connected, quite honestly they are principles that intertwine. All right. Well, thanks for unpacking that and giving us your take on how those things work, both in the home and in the workplace. Even again, the commitment to self. Kids can read and see whether or not you follow through on what you say you're going to do for yourself, for them, for the family. And man, employees, they really read it. All right. So Mm -hmm. how do you catch someone doing something right? I like the way it's phrased, but I still want to hear how you're going to describe this because the whole idea of catching at first glance, it makes you say, oh, I'm doing something wrong. But then you (laughs) throw us for a loop and you say, doing something right. Tell us about all of that, how you came up with that phrase and, and all
1: of that. I don't know if, I, if it's original to me or not. You know, when I read this book that I was telling you about, this Power Positive mm-hmm. Parenting, there's a, there's a story in there. Let me tell you briefly. There was a, 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 a kid who was getting sent to the principal's office all the time. It became such an issue that one of the counselors had to come down there and, and kind of observe. And I hope I'm telling the story correctly. But basically what happened is, is this counselor observed what was happening. She noticed that the boy was doing a lot of things Right but not getting any attention for it. Now, remember this thing about positive reinforcement is we water the behaviors we want to see grow with attention. This child was doing a lot of things right, but getting zero attention for it. But as soon as he'd do something wrong, the teacher would say, oop, there you go again. And she'd give him some attention by writing his name on the board. And then he'd do something else wrong. And he'd get a check mark. and he'd do something else wrong and he'd get another check mark. And eventually he had enough check marks to get marched down to the, to the principal's office. And the counselor, I think, was kind of following a distance and When they got to the principal's office, the teacher said, oh, I knew you'd be here. And she sits him next to this window, and it's right before lunchtime. And as the kids come out for lunch, they start waving to him through the window. So he's getting a lot of attention for being kind of the bad kid. And so the the counselor said, you know, this is pretty particular behavior. This boy is getting a lot of attention for doing what's wrong and almost zero attention for doing what's right. This is what you'd expect. Now, if we're going to catch people doing something right, we have to be keyed in. Like, okay, what's going on that's right? So – my daughter once, she got up, she was six or seven. She knocked on my door and said, hey, dad, I got my bed made. I made my, my lunch. I got dressed. I'm ready for school. Surprise. And I just learned about positive reinforcement. And I went to my wife and I said, you know, let's give this a lot of attention. Let's try this and see if it works. You know, went out there and I said, wow, your bed looks great. And you made your lunch and you got your, your roommate and, and you did this. You didn't even have to ask you. And my wife, you know, gave her a lot of attention to it was really interesting because guess what she started doing? She kept doing that behavior and we kept watering it. And I think that that really is catching people. Like you have to be kidding. Like, okay, when I see my son or my daughter or my spouse or my business associate or anybody, when they do something right, let's give them attention. And the best way to do this, you said, how is to start practicing it in everywhere. Like we mm-hmm. give you one more example. I was at the the oil change place and I'm getting my oil changed. And these people came and they vacuumed out my car and they windexed the windows and, changed my oil really quick. And I thought, you know what, this is a behavior I like. And I said, Hey, why don't you get your boss over here? So they got their boss over there and they were a little bit like what's going on. And I said, you know, these two guys, they changed my oil and they did it really fast. In fact, these guys are exactly the kind of employees you want working for you. And I said, you know, when you get a promoted, why don't you drag these guys into your spot? And they were kind of like, they were surprised that I was giving him a compliment to their boss. Well, it was really interesting. I just did that to practice it. And by the way, I've done plenty of times where I've blown it, but this is one time where I got it right. And I came back to this same... The same oil change place later, and it was really interesting. They knew my name, which it's kind of a big city where I live. They didn't even have to bring the coupon, they just said, Give that guy half off, you know. So, when you practice it outside, it starts to become natural in business, it starts to become natural in your home, it starts to catch just be the kind of person we're not talking about trying to manipulate people into doing what we want. That's not what it's about. We're talking about being genuinely the type of people to see the good in others. And there's a lot there, just like with that boy, there was a lot there, even though he was the bad kid, he was still doing a lot of things right.
0: It's really not so much about the changes in other people. It's a change in your own eye. Are you looking for the good? When you see the good and you have to be intentional, and let's just be honest, this world we live in, society, trains us to look for the negative.
1: Oh goodness, you're right. I mean, if you want <laughs> negative, go watch the news. <laughs> you yeah. Know.
0: We almost naturally have an eye for the negative. And we need to retrain our eye to see the good. And then when we see it, reward it, praise. I use that principle in my own life. I think the way you phrase it would make me be more intentional, but I did start a few years back maybe even a a decade now, I started saying, if I see something positive, if I see something good, say it out loud. No, if I think something positive, say it out loud. Thinking something positive could be something as simple as, wow, her hair looks great, or he has an awesome smile. So I'm not necessarily catching them in an act of doing something good, but I honestly just had this thought. It was going to be my thought anyway. It didn't cost me anything extra. I just needed to go ahead and say it out loud. When I started doing that, the response that I got from most people, I mean, if you're looking for payment, which I wasn't, all the payment I needed to seal the deal to say, I'm going to keep doing this for life. Because you never know when you complimented somebody just at the moment when they really, really need it. They weren't aware that their smile was so awesome. And they needed that to lift them up that day. I remember not too long ago, I complimented this young man. I was going through some drive through restaurant. And I said, you have incredible eyes. And he was so handsome, actually, in every way, not just his eyes. I was floored at his response. Like that so lifted him up, it shocked me because to me, he looked like someone that might be arrogant because he was that attractive. I didn't expect him to receive my compliment in that way. He was so humble and so taken aback. And it seemed almost foreign to him to get very many compliments. But you know what? His response again, just made me say, wow, I'm glad I did that if I see someone and they have a demeanor that kind of looks like maybe they need a picker up, I may even be more intentional. But someone that I may perceive that maybe they don't need a picker up, I may not go that extra mile. (laughs) But he taught me a lesson with that. I love that. I I digress too far with this. But
1: (laughs) I love that. I think people really are hungry to be to see the good in them or to be complimented, there, there is so much negativity in the world and so much negativity in the news and social media when you are that light to someone and say, hey, wow, you've got beautiful eyes or, wow, I really love the way you did that for me or whatever. That's a small thing, but it can go longer than people realize.
0: But I like the way you're describing it. I kind of like the whole action piece of it, even looking for an action that they're doing well, because I think that can build people's self-esteem up in a different way. Even in a, a confidence building a, for skill set or academic performance or whatever the case may be.
1: That's right. I can tell you one thing. Like if going back to what we were saying right there, like like let me give you an example. Let's say I went into the bank when I had this problem, and I would have used negative reinforcement or tried to punish them. What if I would have went in there and said, "I can't believe you guys charge me so many fees, and if you don't fix the problem, I'm going to take my business elsewhere, and I'm going to tell everybody what a bad bank you are, and you better fix it. And you better fix it now." I could have acted like a bully. But what would have happened when I came back a week or two later? And and they may have fixed my problem. But when I came back a week or two later, would they have treated me like a king? I don't think so. I think they probably would have said, well, watch out for that guy. He's a little yeah. bit of a time bomb. Exactly. And by the way, he's kind of a jerk. Why don't you make him wait longer? You can ignore gravity and fall off a cliff. You, I mean, you could cheat and lie and be dishonest and maybe you get a short-term result. But in the long run, the people who know you best are going to know that you're being dishonest and yeah. that foundation of trust is going to crumble. Or if you're the kind of person who's always looking for the negative, people are going to want to avoid you. And, and I like what you said, Pamela. I like what you said, Dr. Mashana, that you said, Hey, you know, if you see something, say it, let's talk about my daughter too. If I'd gone in my daughter's room, what would have been less effective would be to walk into a room and say, you know, wait till she sleeps in, doesn't get up, doesn't make her bed. Mm-hmm. And then storm into a room and say, how many times do I have to tell you to get up and make your bed and get ready for school? What I'd be doing is watering the behaviors I don't want to see grow with attention. So if you see a a parent and they say, well, I can't believe you stayed up till three o'clock in the morning and you didn't make your bed, that parent is inadvertently watering the behaviors they don't Mm -hmm. want to see grow with attention. Last story, because you got me going on this, it's something I'm super (laughs) passionate about. My wife and I were at this restaurant and we're sitting there having a good time. And this, this waitress is serving us at this restaurant. And we were super, she was really nice. I mean, she was funny. She was joking with us and she was a phenomenal waitress, like genuinely just a phenomenal waitress. And and I felt like I just wanted to do the same kind of thing. I kind of personally like to, to compliment people to their boss. If I can, I said, Hey, why don't you get your boss over here? And the boss came and I said, you know what? I would drive across town just to come to this restaurant because of this waitress. She's amazing. Take care of her. Well, she was kind of surprised and, and the boss was kind of saying, this is great. Well, the boss left and the, the waitress left too, but she came back later and she had tears in her eyes Aww. and she was trying to not to cry. And she said, you guys are the best table I've ever waited you know, she probably was really used to people saying, hey, the steak's not done. Take it back and get your manager over here. I'm going to complain. But when someone just says, hey, positive, people are thirsty for it. They need it. Our children need it. Our spouses need it. Our people in our, in our business environments, our works need it. If you can be that light for people, the chances that doors will open for you, for you and for them. Go way, way up because you're aligning with gravity, which is this golden rule thing. Like you said, honesty, humility, commitment, respect, which are all kind of part of the golden rule. You can ignore gravity and fall off a cliff or you can align with it and build a hydroelectric dam. When you align with the golden rule, figuratively, you're building a hydroelectric dam. You're building a ski resort. You're building something that's awesome. And when you say, I don't care about the golden rule, I'm just going to be rude. You're flirting with the cliff.
0: I like that flirting. Stop flirting (laughs) with the cliff, Pamela. (laughs) So this is the interesting thing, too. I was listening to you and about the bank experience. And when you gave the example of if you were just complaining and saying you guys screwed up or whatever, you know how they recognized you when you came back and treated you like a king. The thing we don't realize is they're recognizing you either way. It's which recognition do you want to get? They are still going to remember your name. They're still going to remember what you look like. They just wouldn't have came up to you and took you out of the line and gave you the royal treatment. Like you said, they would have given you that other treatment. But we don't realize that either way, either side of this that we're on is going to get a reaction. So you can choose the reaction you want to have. You want to be the guy that they're whispering, saying, oh, this person, let's take a whole four hours to, before we you know, help him or her. It goes back to something else I frequently think of. We tell people how to treat us. So if we don't like how we're being treated, we have to analyze what are we putting out there. I believe we tell people how to treat us when we walk into a room. And if you walk in with crazy energy, you're telling everybody to be crazy with you.
1: There you go. Yeah, that's right.
0: If you walk in with the honesty and humility and commitment and respect, you're telling everybody treat this person with humility and commitment and respect. We are putting it out, but we like to think of ourselves as victims so if you don't like what you're getting in life, shake it up, change it up, put more of that positivity out there
1: and work on what you're doing. And it's funny because as you focus in on how you can change yourself, the world outside changes you. If you're if you're worried about like, well, the, the world's making me a victim and I mm-hmm. nothing happens in life because of something outside of yourself. You know, Stephen Covey said something, the very thought that the problem is somewhere out there, that thought itself is the problem, right? I mean, oh, that's
0: great. Yeah. Instead of
1: saying, you know, I have a children who won't listen to me, well, maybe there's something you can do different as a parent and catch them doing something right, you know, or, <laughs> or maybe other parental things. We don't have time to go into them, I'm sure all all, all over, but there's things, you know, if, if my spouse is not treating me right, maybe there's something I'm not doing that's not treating my spouse right. Maybe if my work environment isn't the way I want it, maybe there's something I can do internally to change things, which can change the environment, but I've got to focus In- inside me yeah. and then yeah. that flows out.
0: Mm-hmm are you listening to worthy? If you're getting the same result in multiple areas, this is what blows me away. There's people who just are not very introspective. How can you keep getting the same result from multiple sources and it's bad and you never think, hmm, could it be me? And well, it's the and- same thing is true with positive. If you're getting these wonderful results, maybe it has something to do with something positive you're doing.
1: That's right. <laughs> if you're brave enough to say, maybe I am part of the problem, it's a hard place to be for some people because it means you really have to say, wow, really, maybe I've done this. And, and I know I'm I've not- done this many times. I'm in the problem.
0: Yeah. And I
1: have to go in and say, if I could change me, I can change this situation. But if I'm always blaming, in the same book we're talking about, you know, there's children that have tantrums, right? And yes. some people are like, I can't handle my kids. They always are tantruming. But sometimes these parents don't realize that they are feeding it. So remember, behaviors are like seeds and attention's like water. So if the kid tantrums and the parent says, oh, sweetheart, what do you want? Do you want me to give you an iPad? Do you want me to give you a phone? I mean, you're embarrassing mom or dad right here in the middle of the store. And they give them all, they don't realize it. but they're, As the kid tantrums, they're sitting there watering the behavior, watering the behavior. This is a great thing he says. He goes, when people are really misbehaving, especially as kids, it's okay to say, hey, when you act like that you get to be in a zero attention environment, which means a lot of times you could just sit them in a corner, you know, don't give them a a book or something. And sometimes the the kid will go for 25 minutes and sometimes the parents can't handle it. So they go in after seven minutes, they're like, Oh, how much my baby? Okay. And, and they give them attention. What you just taught the kid is if you scream for seven minutes, you'll get mom or dad's attention. And really what they could do is late, wait till they burn out until they're calm and they will, they'll burn out. And then when they are calm, you could say, hey, I love it when you're calm like this. I love it when you're playing with Johnny like this. And you give them attention for when they're acting right. When they're misbehaving, they get put in a zero reinforcing environment. Well, that one technique, if parents would say, you know what? I'm going to learn to be a little bit better parent instead of just blaming, gosh, it's so hard to have kids. And they always are. They're just so hard. Teenagers are so hard. And travelers are so hard. And that's blaming something outside of you instead of saying, wait a second, maybe I could learn these few techniques that might make all the difference or few principles like gravity, like the golden rule, like positive reinforcement, things that we could learn. And again, I could tell you stories about how just complimenting people sincerely, it got me in front of high level directors in like New York. I mean, they really, really work in business and in your families. Yeah. And if we can learn what those principles are, gosh, it's so powerful.
0: It really is. And you know, I like the whole idea of behaviors being like seeds and Attention being water, and it really brings it home, even in a visual sense. Water the behavior that you want to see more of, that you want to see grow, and make thirsty the behavior <laughs> that you don't. Right. See. Dry so- that puppy out. That ground, make it dry. Sometimes just ignoring, because sometimes people are acting out because they want attention, and they're doing bad things to get attention. And if you water it by over glorifying it in any way, just even yelling them or losing your cool, you gave them what they wanted. You watered it. And that's That's the situation where it needs to be dried out, make it thirsty.
1: And just one thing, just along those lines, back to the quote we said further, listen to this quote again. Research has shown that the most effective way to reduce problem behavior, in other words, if I have a tantruming kid or I have a spouse that keeps leaving their socks out or I have something like I'm trying to get rid of problem behavior, just, you know, garden variety in children, but also adults. It's to strengthen desirable behavior through watering it with attention, through positive reinforcement than trying to weaken undesirable behavior using aversive or negative processes. There's other ways to try to influence people. I mean, you can try to punish them or you can try to point out everything they're doing wrong. But the research has shown that the, that the most effective way is to catch them doing <laughs> something right, you know.
0: And if I'm honest, I feel like I'm a pretty good person, but I fall into that trap sometimes because like we kind of said earlier in the conversation, we live in this world that almost trains us to look for the bad. And while I try to put positive out there and I'm fairly intentional, I have caught myself in this situation where I'm like, Man, you're just bam, 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 like trying to correct it with why didn't you do this instead of maybe you should have tried this or, you know, some better way to say it. I've had days when I reflected at the end of the day and I said, you know what, you just didn't figure out how to correct that. But the good thing is I noticed it so it doesn't have to go into my tomorrow. But I'm just being honest, like as much as I like to say that I'm intentional and in trying to do these things, I get caught up sometimes and I don't see it right away.
1: Dr. Mashana, I, I do the same thing where I'm, you know, what's right. You know, the best practice, you know what you're supposed to do in a moment of fatigue or a moment of annoyance and you just do the wrong thing anyway. And so I think it is a constant battle. I I struggle with it constantly, even though I know I'm supposed to. There are times where I absolutely fail, but it doesn't mean that the principle is not true. It means I right. just need to get a little bit better at aligning with it, right?
0: Right. And another thing i notice is when you're trying to handle things from that negative point of view, people tune you out. It's like all that energy you're spending trying to correct it, it's not even working because they can't even hear you anymore. It's like, this is too much. This is a burden. Yeah. This they is negativity. And they just check out. I agree. And again, that can happen in the home. That can happen at work. We got to make some choices about how we want to navigate in life and know that we have the power through the choices we make. So what do you know that can be a bridge to help someone get to their next level of best regarding this topic? How can we be a bridge? Like, Did you have a certain something that happened in life and it just, you were bumping your head up against the wall? What are some of your personal trials that you think even brought you to have the epiphany to see these truths and not just see them and correct for yourself, but then want to pass it to others, teach others?
1: Well, this is a great question. You know, I believe that your biggest pain in life, eventually, if you're humble, and you align with principles and can be your biggest strength. It's almost like your greatest pain can become your superpower. You see people who've had really, really hard situations in certain areas and they go on to be amazingly strong in these areas. Now, not everyone, I think it depends on the choices and and a lot of other factors, I'm sure. When somebody's in a really bad spot, when you're talking about somebody who's bumped their head up against the wall, if you can just be trusting this thing that's painful for you, that you keep bumping your head up against the wall. Eventually, for lack of a better word, it can become your superpower. There was one person I was talking to. She said, your scars become your beauty marks. You know, if you're weak at it, and gosh, you know what? I'm weak at it. It's not something that's come naturally to me in many ways to find the positive. Losing my mom at a young age, that was really, really hard. There was some other spinoffs in my family environment that made it very difficult and it probably took me a decade or two to unwind that. And when I say unwind it, to get to a point where it wasn't me experiencing abandonment issues and these kinds of things. And and I did. I you know I had to have help from some loving people. Right. Um, had some counseling. Had some things that helped me get through the, these kind of abandonment things. You know there was unhealthy relationships that spawned out of it because I hadn't really worked through it myself, and I had to go through a really painful process. But because of that, you know, it made me also want to be a good parent as well so that I could pass on good things, you know? And so there's more to the story, but I just, for people who are in real, a lot of, in a lot of pain,
0: Mm -hmm. you can change a lot of it through positivity and then realizing that you have this pain and because you have the pain, it may be making you more prone to pay attention to negatives rather than positives and then you can switch that and not project so to speak
1: that's right and and we have
0: pain we might be prone to see more of the problems in life rather than focusing on what people are doing right
1: that's right and the truth is and i believe this is true if you look at everybody you see As if somewhere they have something that's really challenging, really hard for them that you can't see. You'll be right. I mean, like 99% of the time, you'll be right. People have, everyone has something that's been really difficult for them, even if they don't share it. And that's one of the reasons that it is so important to be a light and not a judge. I mean, to come out and say, I see the good in you rather than, hey, why are you always, it is hard to do. You know, one of the things that I feel like I should share right now, Stephen Covey, who I really like his writings, he was at a conference once and somebody came up to him. After the conference, and said this, I don't love my wife anymore. And it kind of surprised him. He looked at the guy and he said, Well, then love her. And the guy said, I don't think you heard me. I've fallen out of love with my wife. She's fallen out of love with me. And we've got three kids. We're probably heading for a divorce. And I'm kind of concerned about it. And Stephen Covey looked at him and said, Well, you know, if you're not feeling it, that would be a good reason to love her. The guy said, Well, how do you love someone you don't love? Stephen Covey looked at him and said, "You know, my friend, you're acting like love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. It's an action word. But if you do the verb, the feeling will follow. Now, this is a profound thing that sometimes we don't get. Let let me give you one more example. We can actually, many times, can lead our feelings through actions. Now, I realize there are some things that need some therapy, and I'm not discounting that at all. But let, let me give you an example. I had another friend." he said he was doing this Spartacus workout. It was a workout where he had to work out. I think it was about an hour long. It was all kinds of muscle confusion. He said, I got to the end of this workout and I hated it because it was so bad. I could barely walk, but I had committed to do it again. So I did it again the next day and I could still barely walk and it wasn't fun and I didn't like it at all because I did it again and I still hated it and still couldn't walk. He said, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it because I committed to do it. He goes, it was really interesting. Right around week two and a half or three, Something changed. He said, I got to the end of the workout and instead of wanting to like die because I couldn't walk, he said, I felt like I was just getting started. He goes, I don't remember if it was week two and a half or three, but somewhere in that range. He goes, That day I did it twice because I felt like it. He goes, It happened again the next day. I got to the end of the workout, you know, the second day and I felt like I wanted to do it again. So I did it twice. He aligned with this principle like gravity where you can lead your feelings with actions. In other words, if I'm not feeling love for my wife, the answer is not for me to go divorce her. The answer is for me maybe to go do the dishes, <laughs> and go yeah. give her a foot rub and go uh, treat her well, go give her a break. Give it doesn't mean wife. there's things we can't talk out and get some counseling or some help, something kind of like that. But I'm saying yeah. if I act loving towards my wife, I can eventually start feeling more yeah. love towards my Sometimes wife. And if I don't follow. Can you just imagine saying, "I'm not going to exercise until the feeling just kind of wafts by"? <laughs> I mean, you'll never get off the couch. You got to get off the couch when you don't feel like it. Right. Exercise for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and then eventually you're out there running. You're like, "Wow, this feels good." Now I feel like it, but for two or three weeks I didn't feel like it. And these kind of things, when people are like, you're, "When you're trying to make an incremental change, it takes some energy." I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. You, you sure. know, when when you're trying to get a rocket ship off the earth almost all of the energy is spent in that first few seconds getting out of the airspace, the first few minutes getting out. But then once you've got the habit made and when they say you can be up in space and to get the little ship to go down to the moon from space, it's like less than a baby's breath. It's just this little, and it goes down, but to get off the planet, when you're first trying to make a new habit, there's a lot of work involved.
0: Yeah. You know, that makes me think of a concept with acting. You can take an approach to become a character from the inside out or from the outside in. So a lot of actors will choose to put on the costume, the makeup, the walk, get the walk down, the facial expressions. Then they can internalize who the person is on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying causes me to think of, of that approach. I agree with you. I think your actions can follow you.
1: You can lead your feelings a little bit with action.
0: Yeah. Set a change in motion. This scripture keeps coming to mind too in the course of our conversation for probably the last 10 minutes. Call those things which be not as though they are. When you're even given the positive feedback or whatever, sometimes you may not readily even see the things you want to see. You may not catch them doing something right in that moment. I'm not saying if you study anybody, you can find something positive that they're doing that you can make mention of. So I want to make that clear. But even when they're doing the things that are not quite right, you can still encourage them by saying to your child who's not being very disciplined, I know you're my disciplined, organized young lady or or young man, uh speak the things that you want to see, build them up, help them get an idea on the inside of something more they can be rather than what they're displaying at that moment. I know we're talking about both what we can do in the workplace as well as the home, but also, you know, like with your children as their parent, you have so much power. So much power. Your words do have all those thousands of Pounds of weight that you mentioned, tons or whatever you mentioned earlier, it goes so far, especially with your children, that you can turn those actions around just by speaking what you want to see. We might even call it a type of prophesying.
1: That's <laughs> right. That's right.
0: See it yet? But you can cause it to be because you you spoke life. You spoke uh, what you wanted to see into that person's life, and. Quite honestly, I'm not saying you want to take it into the workplace and preach it like that, but it would work in the workplace too. Some people have never had anybody speak positive things over them or very many positive things. So you can be that voice to a coworker or to, you know.
1: And when um, you see the best in people, they want to live up to it. When you say, hey, I can see you're being so responsible with your room. Wow, that's great. That's way better than saying, wow, you're you're just one of these guys, right? And you always have to, t- and you label them negatively. You don't want to do that. People will live up to how you mm-hmm. treat a man as he should be or treat a woman as he should she should be. And they'll become almost that if you treat them that way.
0: It's I, so true. Yeah. Because right. you could even just say, I know you can do this. Even if you haven't seen them do it yet. I know you can do this. And they're like, right.
1: really? You see the strength in them, not the weakness, right? To build yeah. that strength. Right. Yeah. I love it
0: which one final gem would you leave with my audience regarding this topic? If they forget everything we talked about today, you're like, come on people, but hold on to this one thing. It'll change your life. It'll help them get to their next level of best.
1: It's just such a great question, Dr. Mashana. Thanks for asking. My mom, she said something. I think she got it from her mom. She said, you know, no matter the question, love is the answer. And it sounds a little oversimplified, but I don't think it is. You know, having problems with my marriage, if I'm having problems with my children, if I'm having problems with anything, to love people
0: yeah,
1: changes so many things. And you might say, well, I'm not feeling love for them. And we all know, well, what do you do when you're not feeling love for someone? Do the action anyway, even though you're not feeling, and eventually that feeling will follow, right? Yeah. So no matter the question, love is the answer. That's what I would say.
0: I agree. No matter the question, love is the answer. So I know you wrote a book titled What I Want My Kids to Know About Me Before I Die. What inspired you to write this book?
1: You know, my mom kept journals and I treasure those journals. I've read them. But, you know, sometimes I wish I had more of her thinking, more of what Mm -hmm. she felt, kind of her viewpoint on things. I wanted my children to to know this is what I think um, Mm -hmm. on some things. You know, I'd written a business book before that and it had some success, you know, got on Forbes and things, but I really feel like the most important thing that I have on earth is not the business, not anything I'm doing in the business world. It's more what I'm going to do for my children. And why not invest that same amount of effort into teaching my children? And so that's one of the reasons I did it. I felt really strongly that I needed to do it.
0: That's awesome. I think we all kind of Well, I won't say all. Many of us as parents, we have that desire because I haven't written a book, but I certainly write notes and put them in a hope chest and write journals. And so that when I pass on, my daughter can look back through these things and know what I thought about her, what I thought about certain aspects of life. I write things that I hope she'll read one day and say, wow, my mom was thinking about thinking these things about me when I was 25. I say it, but sometimes when I write it, I might write it in a slightly different way. But anyway, yeah, I get that. And that's powerful. And it also reminds me of what we said earlier too, is sometimes those pain points that helps us have a a new purpose and you not having information from your mom to the extent that you desired made you have an eye to want to give it to your children I certainly see stuff like that in my life too not having my father or not having certain things you try to give your kids what you didn't have and it's not always about like material things
1: yeah. It's
0: been my pleasure to have you on the show and I would like to give you the opportunity to go ahead and share with the audience how they can get in touch with you, get any of your books or products or
1: you can look on Amazon. It's called What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. I also wrote a book called The Key to the Gate. They're both on Amazon. Or if you just want to go to my website, it's eksayn dot com to my first name, which is really wild. It's eksayn.com dot com. You say it com. If you you know if any of you anyone would like to to reach out to me there.
0: That's great. Thanks so much again for being such a wonderful guest on my show. I really enjoyed our conversation and I think we collaborated really well and people will be able to get some good stuff from this episode.
1: It's been an honor to be on your show, Dr. Mashana. Thank you for being such a wonderful host and love that you're doing this.
0: Thank you. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.